Hello and welcome to the Lock In Podcast, the show that lifts the lid on life in the pub trade by those working in it. I'm the morning advertiser, Ed Bennington, and with me as ever are my delightful co-hosts, James Cuthbertson and Heath Ball. Heath is an award-winning operator with an excellent reputation for wine. His knowledge is superb and he's probably forgotten more about wine than most, and not just because he drinks too much of it. James himself is a real heavyweight when it comes to beer having run a cracking brewery and been sacked from several others. So with an expert on wine, an expert on beer, and myself an expert on nothing, I thought what better subject to do this episode of the podcast on than cocktails. I think that's fairly safe to say, isn't it? No comment. No comment. You're still sulking about the heavyweight thing, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't even notice I was in sulking, so it's fine. Uh, We are seeing a real growth in cocktails post-lockdown as people look to get more adventurous down the pub. But are we hitting the right mark and getting the offer right? Fortunately, we do have some real cocktail experts joining us for this episode, including Richard Wynne of Kalu Calais in Shoreditch, London, one of the UK's leading cocktail operators and listed in the top 50 cocktail bars. We'll also be hearing from Rob Poulter, head trainer at the Diageo Bar Academy, be giving us some top tips. And we'll be talking about draft opportunities for cocktails with Stuart Eakins, co-founder of Casca Liquid Marketing. But before on that, let's catch up on what's been going on in the world of pubs. So, I mean, guys, what have, what have you two been up to? I mean, he's barely in the country most of the time. So. <laughs> Working. Working. Worked a weekend. It was a dream. Happy days. Yeah. Love you, customers. Love them. <laughs> Love them. <laughs> what, what was the highlight? Give us the highlight. The customer of the uh, customer don't, of the weekend. I don't know. The, the ones who never believe you don't have a table. There's one guy just wouldn't, wouldn't take no for an answer. I kept saying, no, we're full. I have no tables. What about that one? What about that one? What about that one? Were they all empty? Well, yeah, because yeah. you had people coming for them. Do you know what I mean? And trying to explain, yeah. Yeah, you're it's trying to explain to someone how it works. We have bookings. Yes. So he was quite painful. I don't know. I think people people are just angry lately. What about the demanding not saying please? Because obviously we're sponsored by Stella Artois and their please they, campaign. Please. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, they yeah. don't. There's no. If you ring up, this is where I'm at in life. At this tender you know, age. Tender age. Um, if you ring up and you can't give us a greeting like good afternoon hello please maybe you know whatever and you say table of six eight o'clock i don't care if i'm empty i'm not giving you a table what are you gonna be like when you get here be nice they don't you, you know put them on jail the adverts but it's just like i just it's gonna be hard getting young people to work in hospitality when they first experience they have is just a bunch of entitled rude people to bossing them around like the servants so, and yeah. also having to deal with you as a boss yeah. as well. Which is, uh, Pretty nice boss, Ed. Um, but I think that's the problem. I think like if you come and work in the hospitality sector and you're just getting treated like absolute shit, it, it's going to be a struggle for you people to look at this as a career. Why would you want to come to work? And Especially if you've got a bit of anxiety and you're a bit delicate as it is, and then you have any, somebody just snapping their fingers or, you know, some fun. Can you not have like impolite tax? So oh, no. uh, every no. customer that's rude, you just add. You know what? You know what you know, but you know what customers think service service charges. It's the right to let their children destroy the place, and then but you've paid a service charge, so we're there to clean up after them. Mm. Basically, that's what it's like. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it's. I had a lady. You know that the, you do that. You sign in the air. Yes, yeah. So yeah, what yeah. does that mean to you guys? You need a bill, right? Uh, yeah. No, no, no. She yeah. wanted to order more drinks. 
and got offended when I gave her the bill. <laughs> so I had to explain in England yeah. and in Europe and in America and every other country in the world I've ever worked, this is asking for the bill. That's happened to you before. The I wanted the pen. Oh, I wanted the pen, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I need to look at who died on the day you were born because it's almost like this is payback for like your previous life. Jesus, it's, it's karma. Mm. Absolutely. It's, it's, do you know what I mean? And everybody lies as well. If you work on that premise, remember that show House? Everybody mm. lies. So they'll turn up and this guy turns up yesterday and he goes, Oh, yeah, I've got a booking at uh, 3.30. And I said, uh, no, sir, your booking's at 4. No, no, it's 3.30. I spoke to someone. I said, you spoke to me, and you asked to make it 3.30. And I said, no. No, that's not right. I said, it is. I know what I'm doing. This, I do this for a job. Oh, very disappointing. But he's told everybody. He's told his elderly mother who's standing at the bar waiting for the table. It's just like... Gee, they don't you had all those free tables. They don't care. The thing is, they don't care. They just want to come out. They want to have a good time. And they want to complain about the price of things. Well, welcome to the you know, <laughs> so inflation. Good yeah, inflation's yeah. through the roof, yeah, and excellent. you know, nice bank holiday weekend then. How about you, James? Enjoy it. Um, Customers are lovely. Down here, they're much nicer. They're pleased to be out. It's a Sussex thing. I don't know. They're, just, they're, they're different down here. They are much more grateful. Yeah. <laughs> I think, well, they're just happy to enjoy life. They are. Up there, like... Maybe if you installed Heath here full time, that uh-huh. would change. I'm a, I'm a magnet, mate. I'm a toxic. Ed, 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 yeah. I'm a magnet. Like yeah, a magnet for last I'm, I'm a magnet for like people who've got attitude. You just want to have a go mm. at me. I just like I, I drag them in. They just they come. Like, I'm so like some black ball of sunshine when they come in and yeah. you know they have a great time and enjoy themselves. Yeah. 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 Although I don't think there's any change in the red line. It just is what it is. Yeah, it's just a beast. <laughs> but no, no that you know, moving on. Moving on. In fact, there are calls to make the Queen's Jubilee bank holiday permanent. I believe uh, June the third. So that's another bank holiday weekend you can look forward to, Heath. Yeah, we could do. Yeah, like it'd be nice to have more bank holidays. Yeah, it's good for business. Just yeah. have to pull up with the customers. Oh, yeah, because yeah. Yeah. they were talking about being to to take time to was it to thank thank workers and day. stuff. You know, Jesus. maybe they do it as a pub day and thank people that have oh, mate, been subservient for three hundred and sixty years. They don't care. No, I know. Do you know what I mean? They just yeah. I know it'd be great if they did. I mean, I, I did. I did find myself um, sat next to a government advisor the other day who. Um, uh, did point out, uh, you know, pubs will be alright, they bounce back. Well, they all think this, though, and, I, don't they? and I, I had to decide to sort of stop myself from. Did you see uh, Nick McKenzie's comment about angry. it? Like, Nick McKenzie. Yeah, but I said, oh, well, you go, yeah, they've bounced, they've done it in the past, but how many times can you keep expecting this? You know, you slap them down, you put them down, mm. you know, they, they face all these kind of things. They can't just keep regenerating. No, but it, it, you know, it's, it's not fair. It we don't, runs out after a while. We just, it, there's no. It's like we're supposed to be back to normal and everybody's, ah, it's great, we're all back. It's not, man. They, no. Everything's so expensive. Mm. Cooking oil, electricity, everywhere you turn. Well, I was saying footfall in London is back to normal, which I, can't I, I, I don't can't believe be. that. I mean, it, it's busy, um, say, Tuesday to Thursday, perhaps, but um, I think there's, there, yeah, I, I mean, the times I've been in, you know, there's, it's busier, absolutely mm. busier, yeah. but it's not back to normal. No. no. And you speak to some of the, the central sort of city-based operators, and how can and it? They're not how how can it be back to normal when you know that there's still the work? <laughs> how many from people home are working thing? from home? Yeah, yeah. yeah. bollocks, <laughs> absolute bollocks. Yeah, it's all it's all like yeah, it's all it's it's like there's some sort of Russian hacker. Well, it's smoke screen, it's smoke screen, isn't it? It's, uh, everything's back to normal. Then we don't have What's to. Boris uh, will tell you, right? Back to normal. Yeah, that's it. Move on to the next yeah. slide. Absolutely. Um, have so you got, have you got be, fun all week on here. I haven't, no, no I, you can't mute me, I can mute you. Okay. But, uh, um, 
BBPA is calling for fairer business rates ahead of local elections. Clearly, they were listening to you, Heath, when you were being rude about UKH the other day, not asking for that. Um, I, I, it's fallen to the wayside. I'm glad they're doing it because it's fallen to the wayside. It's like, oh, we're back to normal and we're going to continue screen you guys on business rates. Yeah, great. We've got a concession this year, but next year, like, man, it's, 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 we need a break. We need some sort of, you know, I see the Lib Dems were trying to um, push for 17.5% on VAT. Mm. It's something like that. Like, give us time to recover. Yeah, I think it was the Lib Dem representative for St Albans was on LBC yesterday, the day before, and she was talking about... Uh, Tractors. No, sorry. <laughs> yeah, she was talking about that, but she was talking about um, how oh, their manifesto was to, to re-look at the rates for, for the likes of... Well, she'll have every Republican in the country voting for them now. Of course, no one's being camera set. You know, she's involved in that kind of save the pub stuff. Mm. So, um, I mean, it's not the definition of futility, hoping that uh, Lib Dems are going to yeah, get into power well, to, uh, yeah, to resolve business rates. But it's but if it, if it garners support, mm. that other people that are trying to get popular might pick it up so true it's we, a bad but thing. we do need we, we do need a break to cover the cost of living crisis we do need yeah. some help because yeah. we can't you know electricity bills are just insane yeah. mm. do you know what I mean like I don't there's where do we go we, we'll all have a busy summer and then we'll go into winter and it'll just be like grim Mm. And then the government will be like, oh, God, we've got COVID back. Mm. Oh, panic, panic. Yeah. And, and at the risk of watching steam come out of Heath's ears, uh, I particularly enjoyed that uh, TripAdvisor's Writer Review Day uh, the other day. Thoughts oh, on, thoughts my on God. They just need to go away. <laughs> Seriously. Do you, do, you think, though, do, you, do, you, do you think that that sounded a bit desperate? Maybe they are. I think, I think the suffering. It's a struggle. I think Google and all the other ones have overtaken them. I think mm. suddenly... I'd love to know the average age. It's, I suppose it's like people who use Facebook, who use TripAdvisor, and it seems to always be angry, elderly people who are upset about some injustice in their dining experience. Like the guy I had who was upset that my waiter wasn't more upbeat because it was his dad's birthday, even though my waiter sung happy birthday and took the candle, the cake to the table. Do you know, everyone's got the... How did he sing it? Was it sort of... Oh, the, I don't know. Probably, was it like the Leonard Cohen version of happy birthday? Yeah. Maybe, so. yeah. Like hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> around the tables committed suicide, but, but you know, at that, least I, he sang it. I had that real to and throw with TripAdvisor where I was speaking to that like email back and forth because I was threatening legal action. And they were like, no, our, cust- our, our people, what do you call them, what are they? Our, our community has the right to post and say what they like. Mm. And I'm like, this guy set up an account to cause a defamation of me. Mm-hmm. And here we are, and you guys think this is okay. And mm. it's like, oh, because all they basically, they want just as many members as possible. They want to. This is where they make their money, you know, sponsorship and stuff. So, yeah. I, I think they're horrible. I, I really do think they're just a horrible, horrible organisation that just need to piss off, unless they make people accountable. You've got to register. You've got to be a real person. You know what I mean? Mm. But there's none of that. Yeah. At least with at least with Google, people actually have accounts, and that's they link it. You know, sort of you you. There aren't, I don't think there's as many fake ones. Mm. You don't need to go onto those sites and you have to say where the traffic lights are and you have to press three boxes, you know, to make sure you're a human being. You should have to have some sort of knowledge to post stuff. You'd have to go through some culinary (laughs) questions (laughs) to prove you're not just full of shit. Um, Or, you know, they will assess your mental age before you can actually put, you know, pen to paper as such. A a, a sort of food service theory test. Yeah, a little something, you know. It's when they complain about stuff and they've got no idea, like, Mm. the duck riette was warm. You're like, it's supposed to be Chardonnay was nowhere near as good as that Chablis. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, exactly. I love the like fact that, that you get one little bit of wine on it. I love the out of it. I love <laughs> no, it. I know. I rinse it. Rinse yeah. it. Ah. It's great. It's great. Well, on that case, I think we will park that one there and move on.
You're listening to the Lock In Podcast and we're talking cocktails. We've seen significant growth in cocktails in the post-pandemic world, with even Weatherspoons reporting the fact cocktail sales were outstripping beer for the first time. <laughs> but what can pubs do to up their game and tap into that opportunity? We've got a top guest joining us now to talk about some of that, uh, Rob Poulter, head trainer at Diageo Bar Academy. Hi, Rob. Hey Ed, how are we doing? Good sir, thanks for joining us. So, I mean, do, do you, is that a fair picture, do you think? I mean, obviously, maybe not the weather's been thing, but do you recognise that sort of growth in, in, in cocktails sort of as we came out yeah. of the lockdown? Absolutely. I think it's it's not just the growth in, in cocktails, but there's a growth in consumers' expectation to see cocktails uh, in a way that perhaps wasn't so prevalent before uh, lockdown. And the, the distribution of cocktails is growing across a... a wider and wider uh, range of outlets so it's not just that you expect to find cocktails in cocktail bars now but actually there's there's an increasing expectation that um that you'll find them in in pubs bars restaurants right okay i mean is, would you i mean heath james you you run pubs i mean are you getting the cocktail shakers out on a regular basis no, no, no we're not we're no. not shaking and stuff but we're, we're sort of pre-batch just making it so you know you've got one person consistently making a product that we can bash out when we're busy, as opposed to have young Jeffrey there shaking you know some some cocktail and screwing it up. So mm. we're more pre-batch speed, really. Mm. Um, I think that's the way we get round it. Otherwise, you just get caught up with you know staff and the staff training behind that is quite intense as well. Mm. You're gonna have the knowledge base, haven't you? As, as he said, if you haven't got that, then mm. the best way you can do it is do the as we do the pre-mix route. Yes, and at least yeah. you, on a quality but you know making sure you still respect the the base spirits and and, and the quality and, and then you get consistency as well rather than mm. you know it's not a time you can afford people to be free pouring and playing no. nonsense you know there is that other side that other control bit as well so um yeah i think it's been respectful of the art that is cocktail making yeah. at one level and then also looking at what you can actually do at the mm. at the site level yeah yeah i mean it, 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 What's what's your? We'll be touching a bit more on draft cocktails later, but I mean, uh, uh, Rob, what, what's your thoughts on on that as a as an option for pubs? Yeah, no, I, I was going to say that draft draft cocktails are a great solution to deliver consistently at speed. Um, but equally, I think there's an element of of horses for courses and selecting the right cocktails for the right sites. Which, mm. you know, you referenced the example of Weatherspoons. They're probably a good example um, of working well within their staff capabilities. So I completely take the the point that was made that actually you don't want a ten ingredient complex shaken cocktail mm. uh, in a venue where the consumer expectation is that you're going to get those drinks over the bar quickly um, but the simpler end of the cocktail market are or should be as simple to make as a spirit and mixer so if you, you look at something like a, a woo woo or a sex on the beach which both show up in the, the data set as being among the, the top 10 most popular cocktails um, they, they should be as simple to make as a, a vodka and cranberry juice with one additional uh, step mm. so I appreciate that yeah there are complex cocktails that you probably wouldn't want to put over the, the bar in a, a mainstream environment where speed of service is important but equally there are simple to make drinks that <clears throat> are simple to train staff to make uh, that can be delivered at speed with consistency and still uh, give the consumer a great great experience and a great tasting drink so it, 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 you've got to be really careful I guess then if you're if you're looking to expand your cocktail offering on on that menu of getting it right getting those 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 right products I mean can you give us a, a, some I mean you mentioned some examples there but what what would you advise operators to be looking at so a great great example would be something like a, a flavored gin spritz where you can almost teach staff uh, one recipe that's applicable to, to multiple different uh, iterations of the same drink. So if you take a, a pink spritz using Gordon's Pink, 
for example, you've got 50 ml of Gordon's Pink in there, you've got 75 ml of lemonade, and it's topped with a, a splash of Prosecco. Now you could take that recipe and you could apply it to Gordon's Sicilian Lemon, to Gordon's White Peach, to Gordon's Mediterranean Orange, and you're, you're effectively teaching staff one recipe, but giving them the capability to deliver four or five variations on the, the same uh, theme. So mm. it's, it's one that's kind of, uh, you know, three ingredients built in the serving glass, no shakers involved, um, but still gives the, the consumer a premium experience. Absolutely. I mean, is that the kind of stuff you would look at look at doing, Heath? Yeah, we do, we do a lot of, um, I suppose, at the Red, we do a lot of uh, specialised gins and other drinks that the guys can build and make. So I suppose we're already doing that in a sense, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it works. Mm. It works. You know, mm. if you get it right and just get the staff trained properly it's, it, uh, I guess there's no difference knocking up an Aperol spritz yeah. in terms of components mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean why, why are we seeing this sort of growth in cocktail why, why, what are people sort of uh, uh, moving into this uh, this area would you say Rob so I I think there's there's a couple of elements at play there. There's one, uh, people are getting more and more interested in, in exploring new flavors when they, they go into the entree. So they're looking to, to try things that they wouldn't necessarily try at home. Um, and then from a, an operator perspective, um, cocktails also give you a great opportunity to differentiate um, from other pubs, bars, and restaurants in the, the same locale. So <clears throat> you have to forgive me, but you know, a pint of beer, um, as delicious as it is, or a glass of wine, um, doesn't have a huge variation in how it's presented if I go into to five different pubs. Um, whereas actually if I go into five different pubs and see five different cocktails on the menu, it gives me that opportunity to try something unique that perhaps I, I might not have tried. Um, so yeah, I think that that's one of the key opportunities or one of the key things that's driving that consumer interest is is that actually it's it can create a point of difference from from an operator perspective and from a, a consumer perspective. And I guess it taps into that sort of Instagram sort of frenzy, doesn't it, amongst younger consumers? Yeah, 100%. Um, I, mean, I, I don't know the statistics off the top of my head, but, um, but the hashtag food porn and hashtag drink porn are, are both um, multi-million uh, examples of... Um, of beautiful looking drinks images and beautiful looking uh, food images second third only to tractor porn well, I was going to say I, I wasn't going to bring up tractor porn but James did so excellent do you think also um, lockdown where people were experimenting with different drinks to get hammered more quickly than <laughs> um, <laughs> moved was that just the, you no. they moved away from the standard one or two glasses of wine into something a little heavier neat gin yeah. but it was and people did explore a bit more don't you think yeah you I think so a bit of that it was bored people uh, building cocktail bars get, in the yeah, house and, and, making co- and, and guys were doing cocktail kits the you were getting a lot of cocktail kits sort of homemaking kits and things like that and I guess yeah. that, that that people they discovered that it's not that easy to do so they've gone back to the pub to have it done for yeah. them professionally perhaps. it's like cooking isn't it they can't make something at home and it's actually just shit <laughs> <laughs> so we also have to come back oh, you've eaten in my house then yeah <laughs> only, only once and never again yeah. frankly <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the other thing with the with the at home drinking trend during uh, lockdown, we saw uh, a big growth in um, flavoured spirits, where actually you can make uh, relatively simple drinks that still give you that um, that unique taste point, um, and across various different categories. I mean, obviously flavoured gin being the obvious one, but uh, flavoured vodka is back in growth. Flavoured rums um, or rum based spirit drinks uh, are in growth. Even flavoured whiskey based drinks are, are growing. So I think that kind of gives that consumer a kind of an easy jumping off off point of 
it's still mixing a, a spirit and a, a mixer, but it's giving mm. a, an end result that, that tastes a little bit more interesting, a little bit more exciting. Mm. We saw that decline, didn't we, in gin recently? I think it was a gin sales. But is that? do you think that's because there's a wider embracing of spirits? Do you see what I mean? Well, that may have dropped a little bit, seeing spikes in other areas. So overall, the market's winning. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely been a factor. I mean, if you look at um, Flavor Gin initially took uh, drinkers from other categories, but now every other spirits category is, is trying to get a piece of the Flavor Gin share. Um, they're starting to, to kind of take away some of the people who are drinking Flavor Gin and move them into drinking uh, Flavor Drum, Flavor Vodka, Flavor Whiskies. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob, just conscious of time, what... what what are the pitfalls? What should people avoid doing if they're thinking about, you know, helping that cocktail game? I, I think one thing that people um, don't always consider, and I think uh, Heath or James uh, alluded to it, is that actually if you're you're putting cocktails into your venue, you need to do it with your almost with your weakest member of staff mm. in mind, mm. uh, because actually if the weakest member of your team can't deliver the cocktail to the required time, why are you looking at James? Time frame, <laughs> I think we all um, know. <laughs> Sorry, I'll um, carry on. Yeah. No, if, if they can't, if the weakest member of your team can't deliver that drink uh, to the required standard quickly enough, then it's going to affect the, the guest experience in your venue. So actually making sure that you're picking cocktails that are simple to make, easy to deliver with consistency, but that still give the, the consumer a, a great experience. That's the, the sweet spot. Brilliant. Excellent. And invest in some cocktail umbrellas for that Instagram moment as well. Cause some invest cherry, in some cocktail uh, yeah, umbrellas, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah, you're still stuck in the 80s, Ed. Uh, I'm just off to have some uh, Black Forest Gatto. So. Right, brilliant. <laughs> okay, Rob, thank you very much. That is all we got time for, but thanks for that. Some great thoughts there. Cheers, Cheers Rob. Not at all. Absolute pleasure to speak to you guys. And again, um, diagebaracademy.com. Get a plug-in for our, uh, our <laughs> website. It's got some nice great suggestions for operators <laughs> with uh, simple cocktails. Good move at the end there. Brilliant. Okay, cheers, Rob. <laughs> Thanks great a lot, job. guys. Great to Thank speak you. to you. This is the Lock-In Podcast with myself, Ed Bennington, Heath Ball, and James Cuthbertson. We're focusing on cocktails in this episode and how pubs can tap into a sector that's seeing strong growth. One of the key trends we've seen is the growth in draft cocktails. And to help us with that, we've got Stuart Eakins of Cask Liquid Marketing joining us. Welcome, Stuart. Hello. Good to be here. Good to have you. So, I mean, we, we've seen this upsurge in, in draft cocktails from sort of the, the sophisticated to the, to the relatively unsophisticated. I'm looking at you, Heath, with that one. But um, Heath and James, you've got your infamous and eyesight risking frozen margaritas, uh, basically a slushy for adults and uh, causing havoc in the communities that you're operating in. So, uh, well done. Uh, tell us about that. How, how did that come about? We, were, I think, at the, the Red Lion um, during lockdown, we were sitting around because the world was falling apart, trying to brainstorm how we can make cash. And mm. um, Matt, my manager, he never has any good ideas, sort of, <laughs> sort of <laughs> joked and went, frozen margaritas, like in a really ridiculous way, and sort of went, fuck, why not? What a great idea. And he thought I was joking. And, um, I rang Stuart up, and I said, by any chance, do you have a frozen margarita machine around? And he said, well, yeah, I think we've got one up in Manchester in a bar that's not getting used. So he sent one of his guys up to Manchester and brought the machine down, and... Gave us the most amazing recipe. Was that breaking down lockdown rules or anything like that? No, it was work. It was work. It was work. And then... Purely work every time we visited. Yes, Indeed. exactly. Indeed, R&D yeah. and all yeah. that. Um, and we started doing um, frozen margaritas and they 
fucking have been flying out. Mm-hmm. It's been, mm-hmm. a, um, honestly, like one day in lockdown, I think we did something like 350, 400 margaritas takeaway. Right. Um, so, yeah, incredibly successful. Um, and then we've sort of had a cart built off the back of that. Um, one of the brands, Stuart Wicks with Ocho, um, sponsored a cart and um, it's sort of been it's just gone from strength to strength and um, then we brought it down to the Lockhart as well so they um, yeah they fly mm-hmm. they're really really and it's a note we make them in batches of 25 litres ago right okay okay so you though. make them yourself yeah, yeah, make you, it don't, you're not buying it in from, nah. from someone like Stuart or anything nah, like we, we use well, all Stuart's well, products rest, yeah all his products but then we put it together here yeah right. it's amazing when one goes through the pub you see people perking up and looking at it and then they see the machine mm. and it doesn't stop at one it then becomes yeah. you know it's, it's like smelling fish and chips you know, you really want it's them. addictive, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is obviously yeah, a great yeah. thing to have in a product. Well, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Stuart. So, I mean, how how, how do you how do you view that draft cocktail sort of uh, uh, development at the moment? Well, I think uh, I think there was a, a movement towards um, ready to drink um, kind of pre-bold cocktails uh, previous to, to all the various lockdowns. Um, but I think it was that kind of looking for something for consistency of serve, drinking at home, and I think it was kind of the perfect storm to really drive um, cocktails, you know, frozen margarita machines or other machines that provide a quicker service and a more consistent service to pubs, um, as well as people, you know, wanting to wanting to do something different during those um, those horrible months at the beginning of the first lockdown. Um, I think particularly with um, with Heath and at the Red Lion, combined with the really good weather, um, the frozen margarita machine was a bit of a godsend to the uh, local population of Highgate. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, you, have you seen coming out of lockdown now, we're back to normal-ish trading. I mean, are you still seeing that, that, that demand for that, that draft product? Well, we are. I mean, I think... Um, I think particularly with frozen margarita, I think what we did with Heath and then subsequently with James down at the Lockhart was um, by putting those machines in, it proved that pubs can have a real kind of consistency of serve and a real high quality cocktail serve. Um, but you don't necessarily need the kind of cocktail bartender skill set to, de- to deliver consistent results. I think... Mm. Um, so that really gave us the impetus to talk to a lot of other venues and we um, we rolled out something like 20 different frozen margarita machines over the last couple of years um, and it's proven a, a real success in terms of a serve that people drink kind of any time of the day and also you know any weather as it turned out because we <laughs> were selling them right the way through the winter as well so I think the fro- frozen drinks in general have seen a big pick up in the last couple of years but the frozen margarita is the one the one that people want to drink I think on top of that keg cocktails where you can have consistency of serve almost on a sort of draft system mm. um, I think is another, another area of huge growth for us um, particularly we with the espresso martini that we were doing with um, with Ramsbury and Merlet coffee liqueur right. um, I think we've seen a, a big uplift in, in people because you know, I guess if you're in a pub um, it can take quite a long time to make 10 espresso martinis um, mm-hmm. if you can do it in six seconds to a consistent recipe mm-hmm. um, 
you're, gener you're generating a nice incremental kind of um, sale on, on the balance sheet for the evening. So uh, consistency is a, is a key theme when it comes to draft cocktails. I've, I've noticed. I mean, you've all talked about that yeah, as you well. Can't, because it's been done, if you look at some of the premix stuff, times gone by, it's really poor, right? Mm. I mean, it's a big but consistent doesn't guarantee quality, does it? I but mean, no, that, I think it that, does. It, it, you can make it consistently badly or consistently good. I'm there with Ed on that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you, you still need the ingredients to be um, yeah. of good quality. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but I think you know if you if you you're working with the right the right brands. Um, in any venue, I think as long as the recipe's good, um, having having the application by using you know whether it's a frozen machine or whether it's a, a draft cocktail machine, it really does deliver consistent results for you. Because we use the um, we got the ultrasonic Negroni, we use Heppel with that, don't we? The, the yeah. gin, and we and I, you know as long as you've got a grown up making the batch. You understand? You really is not. Yeah, but the guys at Heppel make that for us. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right. That, yeah. That's what I'm saying. If you're not you're not reliant on you know Johnny on his first day making an ultrasonic Negroni and you brine it in like that and it's great it's, it's mm. the same every time mm. yeah I mean I, th I think that's probably an, another another area where we're um, we've branched out into is providing um, cocktails like a Negroni the guys at Heppel are making 25 litre drums um, which obviously saves a lot on packaging but uh, mm. it means that we can deliver a consistent um, Negroni cocktail um to, to pubs and other venues and uh, they can decant into a, a bottle whether it's an optic or whether it's a, a bottle on the back bar uh, but it provides again it provides a consistent cocktail serve um, as well as saving on you know waste and packaging so so for that kind of product you don't need any equipment you can like you say have it as an optic on the bar it doesn't yeah I mean with, with other I mean with other products you have to invest in equipment do you talk us a little bit about that yeah, you do. I mean, I think a frozen margarita machine, you're probably looking at an investment of somewhere between 1,500 and £2,000 to have a kind of, you know, um, a brand of slushy machine that um, yeah. that doesn't doesn't break down all the time. Um, and then if you're looking at sort of keg cocktails, you're probably looking at an investment of around £800 for a machine that can have two different taps on it. So you could run, for example, a, an espresso martini off one tap and uh, maybe a kind of spritz-style serve for the summer, um, you know, off the other one. Mm -hmm. And with, with that kind but, of... But the, sorry, go on. Sorry. So with, with that kind of um, equipment then, do you have to buy in kegs or can you make your own batches? I mean, how, how does that work? So with the keg system that we use, we use um, a company called Point Cocktails that we give the product to we work with them on the recipe and then they provide the actual keg itself to the right. venue and then collect the empties and then um, refill and, and resend resend new kegs so there is you know it's a similar system I guess to working with a, a brewery yes. um, yeah. there is a little there's a little bit of toing and froing and there's a little bit of kit that are required um, as opposed to sort of a delivery of a 25 litre drum of Negroni or a, a recipe for a frozen margarita machine Absolutely. So there's kind of varying levels of sort of kits required for the different um, different types of ready-to-drink cocktail. Right. But you guys, you make your own mix for the margarita. Yeah. Slushy, do you? It's I mean, easy. It's, yeah, it's really say, easy. Is, is it, have you got it wrong? It's a secret recipe. Yeah, yeah it's a secret. Yeah, my, <laughs> grandmother, my grandmother handed it down. That's <laughs> 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 no, really easy. Like, it's, it's it's an easy mix. And we just, we, we probably make, for a Saturday, we probably make about 50 litres at the rate. 
Right, okay. So um, we bash them out. But mm. we do a lot of takeaways. A lot of the big business for us is takeaway margaritas. Right. It's a huge business up there. People walk with their dog and just yeah. stop by some medicine mm. on the way around. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we've got one of, our, one, of our, one of our infamous customers. He drinks quite a lot of them. We deliver them to his house. Like, like a lot. Like a crate of uh, margaritas. A lot. Like, yeah, a lot. <laughs> sit in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you what? Hey, hey, weren't you, um, weren't you putting the frozen margaritas in coffee cups for the uh, mums of Highgate? Yeah, I was indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to be seen to be drinking them, so I was putting them in like a takeaway coffee cups. So the Stepford wives. <laughs> yeah. And then he complains his customers are drunk and rude. Anything, anything for a sale, Ed. Anything for a sale. <laughs> you say anything. <laughs> we, we can test that maybe on a future podcast. Yeah. Let's see how far he will go. Um, Stuart, I mean, the, 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 obviously there's, there's only certain and types of cocktails I guess that lend themselves to this kind of delivery I mean what, what should operators be thinking about what, what should they be looking at I mean I think you've got to look to the kind of the best selling cocktails um, and the ones that people actually know about because I think in a pub environment you're not always looking um, beyond the kind of the, the beers the ciders and the wine list so I do think you have to stick to, to what people know we know the margarita works and as it turns out we know the frozen margarita now works as well um, but yeah it is the Negroni it is the espresso martini I think rather than trying to overcomplicate what the offer is it's sticking to the classics and doing them really well with great ingredients keep it keep it simple yeah yeah Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, Stuart. Well, that is all we've got time for, but thank you very much for that. No problem. Good to see you guys. Cheers, you. Yes. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we're now hearing from one of the best in the business, Richard Wynn from Calu Calais, one of the bars listed in the top 50 cocktail bars list, and I think the world's best bars as well. Is that right, Richard? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've been listed in, uh, in, in numerous uh, 50 best, whether that's cocktail bars, world's best bars, um, Tales Awards have been uh, best high-volume bar, uh, best menu in the world so yeah we, we've uh, got a, a couple of accolades after our name so it, it's fair to say you, you know your cocktails then I, I'd, I'd like to think so if, uh, <laughs> I mean I'm sure there's plenty of people that know a bit more about uh, cocktails than me, no 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 so. you know everything that's why we invite you on it's fine don't, 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 uh, don't undermine that that's, uh, that's perfect but I mean let's, let's talk about sort of cocktails. I mean how, how's, how is business with you guys you know what sort of trends are you guys seeing as a, as a, a cocktail specialist you know what, what's, what's driving, uh, driving the, uh, the, the trends and the growth at the moment um, I mean, it's it's obviously been a, a topsy turvy uh, time the last two years. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, um, we definitely shifted trends to make drinks a lot more, a lot easier um, right. in terms of, uh, to make, um, so that we didn't need so much stock on site. We didn't need so much prep time. Mm. Um, there was less. Uh, interesting ingredients uh, getting hold of such ingredients was was difficult um, so it was important that we made a drinks list that was water um, that was less labor intensive uh, and that could deliver quickly um, so there were three drink uh, three ingredient drinks for example there's quite a few of those right. um, and then when we started opening up you know restrictions were lifted a little bit more that's where we started to go back to seeing you know, a few more of our own infusions, a few more of our own um, 
ingredients, you know, specialty syrups and so on. Mm. Um, and then, uh, and then we're going, we, we started to see a lot more, um, acids and shrubs and tinctures and so on, um, being created and customized, uh, by our bartenders ready for evening service. We don't use much of the, the lab equipment, you know, the rotavaps and so on that separate, you know, bloods and things like that, you know, mm. that, that, that we're not, we're not that labor intensive. Um, but, um, but, uh, just to try and get, you know, a little bit more of an interesting end product now, um, versus even just a year ago, um, mm. is, uh, is, is what we're looking at right now. I mean, it's interesting because obviously people were, were sort of trapped at home and they were having to make their own cocktails and things like that. And I guess the, the sophistication probably wasn't there in the home market. So mm-hmm. you'd expect people to want a little bit more when they come out now, that something, you know, that, that they can't replicate at home. But is that is that not the case? It is. I mean, it is and it isn't. I think, you know, coming straight out of lockdown, I'm just happy to be out. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that's, you know, just having a gin and tonic or a daiquiri or a Negroni or, or you know, something that is well made um you know if someone's got a complaint that there aren't enough flavors to this daiquiri you know I, mm. I'm, I'm just happy that um you know what i wouldn't give for bad service in a warm daiquiri you know, in the uh, oh, you've in been to his pubs May <laughs> <laughs> so um jokes really uh, on your I, I thing think, Ed, are they? <laughs> <laughs> thanks james i think I, I think um things have obviously shifted and people's understanding of drinks has has improved definitely since mm. you know being able to to uh, order ingredients and cocktails at the touch of a button now and they'll be delivered in 20 minutes half an hour Mm. Um, so yes we want to stand out and just have a little bit more um, a a little bit more availability I suppose Mm. um, from uh, from just you know your average um, bottle of wine or liquor store or anything Um, but but ultimately I think people people just want a good night out uh, and I think that's the ultimate thing uh, that we try and deliver at Calucalay, um, alongside great service and great drinks. Um, and it's a, the whole package of, of environment, service, product that create that, that great night out, that great experience. And delivering great drinks is, is a really important key factor for it. Um, and I think people still tend to not necessarily stay in their comfort zones, but if you know that you like daiquiris and you see a version of that daiquiri, um, or, you know, an old fashioned or a margarita or whatever it might be, mm. then, um, you know, it, it takes a lot to steer away from those kind of crowd pleasers. I, I mean, is, is theatre still important? Cause I mean, we, we touched on this uh, with a, with another, another session earlier on sort of the, the Instagram moments and things like that. Is that still as, mm-hmm. as big a thing as it was sort of, uh, pre lockdown? It, it is. Um, it, it certainly is. It's just as important to have a have a drink delivered on time. The last thing you want is to have um, have to wait half an hour, forty minutes for a smoke bubble to pop in front of your face um, on uh, on your drink. Um, if you can deliver theatre and speed and you know a tasty drink, then that that's worth paying for, um, and you know that's really important. But if you have one superseding the other then it doesn't work yeah that's true yes yeah I mean talking about speed I mean we've, we've talked about this uh, earlier as well on when it comes to sort of giraffe cocktails um I mean, you guys are, are specialists. I, I can't imagine that it's something that you uh, necessarily sort of be sticking a Smirnoff cocktail uh, draft machine on your bar. But I mean, what, what are your I mean, thoughts on that? 
<laughs> I, 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 I've got nothing wrong with draft cocktails at all. Um, but there are a lot of benefits to having cocktails on draft. Um, the fact that the consistency is always there and the speed is always there. Um, a lot of people look at cocktails and, and are instantly put off because they think it's going to take 20 minutes to, to get your drink. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you go to a couple of bars in New York, for example, they'll have a number of highball cocktails or even a Negroni on draft. Um, because it's so popular and it's so quick and it's so yeah. easy and it's so accessible and if you've got a high volume bar with 600, 700 people through the door um, on a Friday or Saturday night then you need that that, that speed of service um, mm-hmm. and you're you know if you have a, an espresso martini for example um, with uh, one of those little nitrous um, uh, widgets mm. on it and delivering and if you're doing I don't know 50, 100, 150 espresso martinis on a night and you can actually pour it on draft and it tastes exactly the same mm. why wouldn't you I mean that's 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 a key thing for me I think when you guys did a, a espresso martini but you you've stopped have you is that yeah we were doing it on draft it, it's yeah I just think you needed the volume running through it and then some people want a bit more sugar which you know is easy to add with gom and stuff but you just spend a lot of time messing around and I think we just weren't driving the volume that we wanted to do through them so um, yeah we, we stopped doing it, it just if the, it, again it comes to consistency and if the consistency wasn't getting right it was just mm. just not the, I don't think it was just moving fast enough it's like Guinness you want it moving all the time and I just don't think it was moving fast enough mm. so we mm. just took it off Stop your uh, frozen margaritas instead. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, Richard, for conscious of time, but what what advice would you offer to uh, to more traditional sort of pub and bar operators when it comes to sort of improving that cocktail offer? What what would be your top tips? Uh, I mean, definitely keep it simple. Mm. Uh, there's nothing worse than overcomplicating drinks, um, and, and I suppose if if it's something uh, of a luxury or that's not your specialty then the training would have to be really important um, and kept on top of because it, it, it just might not be beneficial um, to, to serve cocktails if you're only doing one or two a night um, mm-hmm. because very diff- it's very easy to forget you know what your specs are what your ingredients might be um, so if you have a five six drinks list that's you know Negroni old fashioned espresso martini, daiquiri, Aperol spritz, something like that. You're ticking a lot of boxes mm. um, and, uh, and you're keeping it simple. I, I, the last thing you want to see in a pub, in a, cl- in a traditional classic pub especially, is an overcomplicated 15, 20 drink list with, you know, hibiscus oil and, uh, and <laughs> you know, liqueurs from all around the world that you don't really quite remember what their, their flavor is and so on. Um, and they've got to be accessible. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, just like I say right at the beginning keep it simple it's really it's really important that's probably fundamental tip number one um, and if you can't do them don't bother mm. um, because because you have to keep on top of the training because uh, if one person serves a bad cocktail then you'll just be known as that great pub that does bad cocktails <laughs> very true and, and I think you mentioned some then but what would your what would your top sort of three or four cocktails that pubs should consider uh, getting on that many um, I think I did mention them didn't I mm. um, uh, testing uh, your memory I, now I mean an Aperol Spritz an Aperol Spritz is so easy it's mm. such a great drink it's going into summer mm. you know um, I, I really I've really got into um, Campari Spritz and almost like a sherry and tonic you know right. just something really light um, easy going just you know you could you could smash three of them in about half an hour um, and the <laughs> James has perked great. up that he's um, looking quite excited <laughs> Um, 
I mean, a Negroni is great. Uh, I mean, you can't really um, mess up a Negroni. Oh, I um, could. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if you have the luxury of a slushing machine, I'd definitely put uh, either a daiquiri or margarita on there. Mm. Um, just because, you know, again, going into summer, frozen, frozen slushies, they're fun. They're, they're just... You know, coming in from a, a hot day in a park or beer garden or wherever you might be, um, that's always fun. And then, um, would you want to do an old fashioned? Oof, nah, not maybe. when you're busy. No. Maybe. Well, pre batch, though, no? you could. No? You have to actually speak. Oh, me? Yeah, nah, yeah, I, just, nah. I suppose if you get it pre batched, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Like, I always like making those things properly. You know mm. what I mean? Taking your time and doing it properly, and that's just too much time. Mm. Cool, brilliant. Mm. Okay. And then, I, and, then, and then espresso martini. You know, if you've got, I mean, to be honest, you don't even need a coffee machine now. Um, there, there are a plenty of coffee um, concentrates that will that will happily substitute the espresso and will still give you the, the really nice creme at the top. Fantastic. So that'll be my what four or five. Perfect. Brilliant. Okay. Well, fantastic. Well, that's all we've got time for, Richard. But thank you very much for those tips. No problem. Thank you very much. Cheers, Richard. Cheers. This is the Lock In Podcast, and we're going to take a break from cocktails to try some new products. So, uh, first up, we've got the Ingenious that's how you pronounce it which is marketed as a clever little gin apparently this allows you to serve a lower alcohol gin and tonic because it's overloaded with botanicals so only a 5 mil measure of gin is needed so what do we think guys I haven't tried it yet well, 5 mil 5 mil of gin so more like 100 mil 200 gin mil 5 gin mil tonic. tonic yeah it's really lovely it's pretty it's really good is that alright? yeah really that good. works? well in a pint glass. <laughs> <laughs> you know me so well. <laughs> I mean, you've just necked the bottle, James. I don't yeah, know what you're talking about. It's, it's, it's delicious. good flavour. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. Uh, I, I might have put a bit too much tonic in mine, but are you, are you still getting the flavour in the yeah, gin? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty aromatic. Yeah. I'm just trying to get my head round five mil serve versus what you charge for it first. You know what I mean? It's a good point, actually. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you'd serve it as a lower. I think you charge. I think you charge, charge the same amount. I think yeah. you charge them from like you could. Could taking up time. Yeah, <laughs> you could. Yeah, like it's full price. There we go. You want to give up drinking? Off you go. Lower your consumption. I guess you're selling it as a lower alcohol. It's a lower product. alcohol product. Yeah. So it's still. It's so great. yeah. I mean. Yeah, but they're probably using that. they're using a lot more ingredients. Probably more botanicals. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I mean, what do we think? So. Packaging design, it's... Uh, yeah, nice. Do they do it in a big bottle or do they just send you a small bottle? I think they just sent me a small bottle, but I don't know, actually. I should ask the question. Probably should have done some research before I did yeah, that, shouldn't I? But yeah. Rogan it, would have done it. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, less said about Rogan, the better, really. Okay. Currently. What else have we got? No. Um, so, but, I mean, would you stock it? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I don't man. The problem is, is I've got a thousand gins on the back bar. But do you but have a low alcohol I don't. So option. there we go. Low so alcohol gin option. Gin. Perfect. It's really nice. Perfect. Okay, so that's that one. So positive, uh, positive. So it's a low alcohol option, really, for like people who aren't married, isn't it? And then you get married, and you suddenly realise you need, need the full, you need the full strength, full strength, or you just start measuring twenty five mil measures. Or you just do the whole bottle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I do that when I come home and I like drive down the road, and if I see Sarah's car in the driveway, I'm like, oh. If I don't, I think, well, quick swally before she arrives, I might want a better place. I mean, you can take that, James, and neck it in the car oh, on the I way home. Uh, yep, yeah, that's right. I think there's right. drink driving in. <laughs> Let me just... You've seen the way you drive. Um, Heineken Silver. 
so this is the Heineken Silver. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've got this. So this is a, a newish launch from Heineken, Heineken Silver. It's a lower ABV lager at 4%, described as less bitter. Wait, wait, with a lighter is there a running theme to today? Profile. No. Okay. No, there's no theme. Just, no, I mean, it's, it's 4%. It's a okay. session lager, I suppose. I mean, what do we think? Yeah, it's all right. That's what it is. It's it's damn it with faint praise, isn't it? No, but yeah, it's all right. Heath? Yeah. I mean, you're holding your head in your hands. I don't know. It doesn't taste much. A bit tasteless. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, well, I mean, that's the point, isn't it? It's supposed to be a lighter, more refreshing, sessionable. It tastes like American lager. beer. It tastes like Coors Light or something. Fair enough. Would you, uh, what do we think design wise? Um, Kind of looks like it's, a, it's silver. A bit of an energy drink kind of feel about that. I was, going, I was going more. I was going more like a country, but yeah, you're going. Oh, I mean, they've got yeah. It's in a. It's in one of those sort of tall, thin cans, isn't it? Um, was it two hundred and? Oh, it's three thirty mil. It's pretty okay. kind of a um, picnicky. Cool can though. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would you stock it? It's not for us. We wouldn't be so. No, no. What do you mean in its in its large format? As in yeah, yeah. In any format. It really. goes on draft, James. Would you have it on draft? It's not really our thing. No. Yeah. Not to say it's bad, not it's not what we would do. What about his shit pub, the red line and something? Would that be... Uh... I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it'd work, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Right, let's uh, let's move on then. Uh, so the next one we've got is from Beaver Town. It's a, a bubblegum IPA called uh, Gummy. So How did it come up with the name? I have no idea. Bubblegum IPA, like yeah, just fresh glasses. Just the, good. <laughs> That's a, a good start uh, from Hefer. So this is a six uh, percent tropical bubblegum IPA, available in three thirty mil cans. James is going to say he likes it. I'm not really sure I get the bubblegum so much. I don't know. It doesn't taste nice. You're not a fan? Not really. Not my style. It's a bit... It doesn't taste of a great deal to me. I, I was expecting a bit more of a... Like artificial it's very, it's very gummy bubble gum. Yeah, just feel Like I'm a bubba. More deliberate, probably. Mm, yeah. But it just ta- it tastes... I mean, it tastes like Beavertown beers. Yeah. Highly hopped. You know, it's a step away from the neck oars and stuff, but it's... I'm not sure it's... It's not unpleasant. No, but... Uh, Drink fresh, do not age. If you're going to... If you're so going to call cool. it bubble gum, it's got to taste... I mean, it has, has sat in my garage for a, a while. Oh, brilliant, Ed. You really uh, do care for these I know, products, don't I you? Did. I, I kept it in the fridge. <laughs> in the garage. <laughs> no? Yeah. I mean, packaging. Oh, yeah. What do you know, think? Do you know what? We probably would stock. It's the sort of thing people will look out in yeah, the lock It's good packaging. Yeah. yeah. It looks great. It's old. Oh, they're always good, aren't they? they well, everyone else that tries to go, it's just like a poor man's beaver town, you know? They're the mm. first to do it, and they do it well. Mm. Uh, less said about your previous employers and that, and um, <laughs> right, okay. So you would stock it. Heath, would you stock it in the red line? No, somebody will buy it. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. Maybe they'll use that in their promotion. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the marketing uh, line of the lot, isn't it? Yeah. Someone might buy it. Okay, moving on. We now have uh, we're going uh, so cider. Shepherd's oh, like Master Cider, twenty twenty vintage organic going. cider, six percent for flavoured five hundred mil. I mean, you just read out all the well stuff. Well done, I was gonna James. Read out James. Loads oh, of right. words, all in one go. Yeah. Thank you. It's organic. Oh, God. Oh, that's the Six percent. Yeah. I mean, you, you like your ciders. You I do. Mm, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I'll drink that. What do we think? Oh, that would get you proper. 
Yeah, proper happy on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, that's good. That's, that's nice, isn't it? That's, that's really tasty. That's, that's nice when Sarah's the car. I don't see the car. <laughs> I think, well, I'm not you could, them you, could, you could say I'm just having apple juice when she walks in the yeah, door. She won't believe she smells it a mile away. Fermented apple juice. Nothing wrong with that. That's so that, really that's nice. the challenge then, is a cider maker to produce a cider that you can smuggle that past your wife. wife. <laughs> it's called the smuggler. Mate, she's got bat ears <laughs> and the nose of a hound. <laughs> Pretty girl. <laughs> I think we've established that she does actually listen to this as well. Oh, so, uh, she doesn't. She doesn't have time. She's always out horse riding. It's, it's, doing great. it's when I put it up, when I put it on social done. saying James's wife doesn't listen to this, and then she will listen to it. But, Thanks. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. So, packaging wise, what do we think? It's very staid, very traditional. It is traditional. It, it lacks maybe lacks a bit of stand out on the shelf. Well, not, not everyone needs to be the hipster. True. It kind of reminded me of the kind of sherry branding, you know? Hey, I was going to say sherry oh, or whiskey, hey, old school yeah, whiskey I like branding. it, it's a bit like... It's classic. Yeah, it's classic. It's sort of like wartime store cupboardy feel, it's fine, it's... Wartime it's store cupboardy feel, there is no <laughs> store cupboards, there's nothing... I don't mean in your I suppose we, I mean we could like call it, we could, yeah. Would you stock it? Um... Yeah, I mean, they're not for you to drink, though. No. You, you can it's imagine you walking out the door with a case of that you out of your arm. stock it in your house so your wife doesn't notice, but would you stock um, it in a pub? Well, we're kind of local-ish here. We look at our ciders we have on tap. Mm. So on that basis, probably not. But I wouldn't see anyone that didn't have that as a kind of a, a focus. Why they wouldn't stock it? Because it's lovely. I'd, yeah, buy, so I'd right. buy it. I'd buy it on the weekend. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Heath. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. I'd drink it on myself, but I was going to say you can have that. Right, that's it for uh, for that session. Let's move on. You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are at the end of today's episode, this week's episode, this fortnight's episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've been talking about cocktails. Um, I guess, I mean, we, we, we look at what pubs have to do these days. I mean, let's talk about this a little bit. You know, the, the, the scale of the operation just seems to get broader and broader, doesn't it? You know, you, you're expected to be sort of all things to all people. I mean, is it sustainable? Should pubs be doing cocktails? I don't know. Like I, I think it. Well, it's working for us. So yeah. while it works, and if it doesn't work, don't do it. But if you can, I think right now, as we all know, over the last couple of years, you've got to try and make as you know make as much money as you possibly can to keep your business going. Mm. So you know, I suppose nothing. I think nothing's off the table anymore. Mm. I think you've just got to do whatever you can. And you know, we know we're on our own now. So it's really, you know, if you can sell cocktails, great. Sell them. If you can't, don't. If you can, you know, it's just it's survival. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's the hustle. It's just the hustle now, and it's <clears throat> there's a danger of dilution of what you're about, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think before pubs need we, people would say, "Oh, that pub's really good for beer." Mm. Now you have to be much more of an all, all-rounder. You know, you yeah, but I think yeah, you can't. But, but uh, it's like we had that conversation when we went wine that time. You said, "Oh, but should pubs be doing <clears throat> wine?" And it's like, well, why not? Like, I think if you've got the market mm. and you understand, I think it's really understanding your local community and I what think you also can so get. Much where it should pubs be doing wine is, is more like if you're going to do it, do it properly. Yeah. And this is the thing. I suppose that same well, logic same co- applies to well, cocktails. I think you if need to do it. Do it well. But it, I think you need to apply that for every aspect of your business. Mm. Don't do something yeah. if it's half-assed. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like this, mm. you've really got to just do it properly. And I think that's a real lot of operators fall down. They they they're not really committed to it, but they think there's an opportunity to make money, so they go and do a cocktail list, and it's a bit shit. And they haven't got the right glassware with the, yeah. you know, the, the right the money for money sake. Yeah, well, exactly. Sort of Instead of having the, you know, you've got to have really the integrity to really carry <coughs> yeah, it off and, and commit box ticket. I mean, that's yeah. the thing with the wine, isn't it? You, should, you know, I mean, you were saying before, work with your supplier to get you know the right offer. 
and cocktails are equally daunting, I think, for people, mm. particularly if you're a you know, die-in-the-wall publican. Yeah, but cocktails are never you, in your radar. Yeah, but, 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 I mean, you've, I mean, you've got much broader <coughs> sort of range, haven't you, of mm. products that you've got to be yeah, thinking about. Yeah, it's not about, a you know. blues anymore. You know, yeah, but mm. just to, like, we saw at the Red, just to, we, we started, like, we've always done a bit of cocktails, but nothing, like, but the margarita is just a godsend because it's so simple. Yeah. The investment in the machine, obviously, but it's so simple to do. Mm. You can make a lot of money mm. really low touch, mm. you know, really low touch. And I think that's, you know, yeah, we, the only people who make it are managers or supervisors who make the mix. Mm. And we all, everyone knows the recipe. Do mm. you know what I mean? I think it's, you know, that's been a godsend. But yeah, just just maybe start off with something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Um, well, it's yeah. no longer good enough to say we do this because we've always done it this way. You've just got to be more open-minded and well, to have a dedication. If you're going to do it, have a proper go rather than... Uh, but avoid that, that typical mistake of trying to do too much. I mean, it's a bit like the food pub you go into, you know, the menus, yeah. billions yeah. of different dishes, dishes, and you kind of go, well, you know, is any of yeah. them going to be good? Yeah. And I guess the same applies to, to, to cocktails, doesn't it? Well, it's yeah. like when you walk into, like, a, they have, like, a cocktail list where it's, like, 50 different types of shot. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's like, come on, man. Or even some of the places now that are about gin, you see, you know, just half the amount of gin you have, really. And yep. you make a bit of room for something else. You're over yeah. something. But look, look, at the, look at the stock holding on that. Yeah. You're yeah. sitting there carrying all these gins on the back bar. Yeah. And let's be honest, they're just flavoured vodka. And let's be honest, no one can tell the difference anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm off the angry letters from well, uh, obviously, uh, other, than, uh, other than the ones that you like, yeah, and, yeah, the, the, yeah, 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 the sponsors and all that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Brilliant. And then, mate, you mentioned uh, you did teat me up for this, and I completely missed it on uh, on uh, all round pubs and things like this. That we've we've now got the. Uh, the Urban Pub of the Year and the Great British Pub Awards, which uh, is, a, is a new edition, and it's um, it's for the pubs that don't necessarily specialise in anything, but they are good, cracking sort of check of all trades, master of none. Uh, that wasn't what I was saying, but thank you for that, uh, Heath. That's uh, big that one up nicely. Thanks, so you're, you're applying, are you? Oh yeah, yeah I'll yeah. apply. If you think you can win the bang average award, <laughs> dial in now. Yeah, but I suppose urban, like, we see the rise, you see with Star investing and stuff, and you see everyone mm. sort of chasing urban pubs and bars because they, they realise that people still aren't really back at the office, even though the government say they are, and even though old, what's his name, Reese Mogg, Jacob. Jacob's mm. running around posting post-it notes or wherever on their yeah. desks. Mm. People, you know, I think... We're I mean, if that's ever going to get you to stay at home and never come back to the office, having oh, a you note go back from just Jacob Chinnam, Reese Mogg. <laughs> just go back to Chinnam. Just lie in wait well, under your desk and pop out, trying to give him a heart attack. But I think yeah. we see that. People, you know, people, like, it's a real shift, and people, mm. you know, a lot of big pub codes are realising that they want pubs out about a bit outside London now. So... Mm. You know, mm. even see, I think like JKS restaurants and yeah. big groups like that are looking at it. So, so there's loads if, of opportunity. If you've got a, a cracking pub in an urban or even a country uh, setting as well, because we've, we've mm. launched that, um, then do enter the Great British Pub Awards. The entries are still open and it'd be great to have you in the mix. So, uh, that is the blatant plug over and done with. I think you two undermine that perfectly. Thanks yeah, very sorry, much for that. Uh, when, when are the awards? It's, uh, it uh, will be in September. Oh, it's and the deadline for entries, Ed, out of interest. May the 22nd. Thank you very much. Yeah, that's like really soon. soon. But yeah, we did launch it a few weeks back. You weren't paying attention. You never. I don't really read the MA. How quick would it be to enter the bang average one? I mean, we smashed that out straight away. I think I'm just going to draw a line under this conversation right now because um, it's uh, yeah, brilliant. Thank you guys. Pleasure as ever. Dead, isn't it? Yes. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Pop a bar magazine, yeah. <laughs> Oh, fuck it. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs>
Buy again. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it, yes. Do keep listening to the Lock In podcast. Please feel free to like, share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. We will be back in a couple of weeks uh, when we've decided what we're going to be talking about then. So, in the meantime, stay safe. We'll speak soon. Thank you.